The redistricting cycle is far from over. In five southern states, litigation is working to get fair congressional maps in place for the 2024 election. This is Defending Democracy, a weekly podcast from Democracy Docket. We're your hosts. I'm Mark Elias. And I'm Paige Moskowitz. Let's get started. Mark, it's October 2023, and there's still a lot of redistricting litigation going on. Yes, there is. According to Democracy Docket Tracking, there are 12 states with ongoing litigation over congressional maps, but today I want to focus on five in particular. Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. These states are on a path to get fair, or at least fairer than they currently are, maps in place for 2024. Let's start with Alabama, which has the biggest news and some of the best news. They do have a new map for 2024 that has two Black opportunity districts. Yeah, the news out of Alabama is good news. And it is news that surprised many people because recall, this is the map that went to the U.S. Supreme Court in the Allen v. Milligan case, where uh, many people thought that there was a possibility that a conservative Supreme Court would use that case to either overturn or weaken uh, the Voting Rights Act. Uh, The Supreme Court didn't do that. And that, of course, was covered extensively by Democracy Docket and uh, was great news. We then had uh, a back and forth after that uh, court case was decided by the Supreme Court, where the trial court was telling the state of Alabama you now have to enact a new fair legal map in time for 2024. And the state of Alabama was defiantly refusing uh, to do so. So, you know, the the court told Alabama, pass a map with two black opportunity districts. Instead of doing that, they stuck by a map uh, with only uh, one district that black uh, voters could elect their candidate's choice. That then led to a special master hired by the court, um, an expert to draw a map. Uh, That map was now put in place, and there are two districts, one uh, District 7 with 51.9% of the vote being black voting age population, and a second district in District 2 being 48.7% black voting age population district. Uh, And these are uh, in place. But but Paige, you know, one of the hallmarks of today's Republican Party is that it would rather defy the law, it would rather defy a court order than be seen as complying with it. And I wrote about this in a piece for Democracy Docket about the historical parallels between uh, what George Wallace did when ordered to Uh, desegregate the University of Alabama 60 years ago and what uh, Alabama did today. Mark, and in a way, Republicans are still trying to fight the court order, right? Like this fair map that's in place that was just agreed to, it's only for 2024. Litigation is still ongoing. Republicans want a different map for 2026 and beyond. Are they going to get it? Like, is the map going to stay fair for Black voters or is it going to go back to benefiting Republicans? So I, I think that, that the good news is that the courts have kind of tired of Alabama. 
you know, Alabama, 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 Alabama I think, has outstayed its welcome uh, with the federal courts uh, and its map. Um, you know, they are, they say they're going to continue to litigate for 2026, but it's not clear what arguments that they have not already made, either substantive arguments, you know, about why their districts were fair. I mean, that, those have been thoroughly litigated and they lost. And even their procedural arguments, you know, their attacks on the Voting Rights Act, for example, they've, they've made them, they lost, then they re-upped them, right? Remember just a couple of weeks ago, Democracy Docket was covering this, that they re-upped those attacks on, by going back to the Supreme Court and got shut down again. So, you know, I've said all along that I think that the Republicans want to engage in the political theater of being in defiance of being oppositional to the Voting Rights Act, of being seen as fighting the federal court's orders, in the same way that George Wallace wanted that um, uh, 60 years ago. And it's a sad commentary on the state of Alabama, its officials there, but also that that has currency in today's Republican Party, that in today's Republican Party, you become a hero, not by complying with the law, but by seeing as fighting against voting rights. Um, and that is the pathology that uh, we fight against every day in court. Mark, the, the simple math shows that Alabama should have a second Black opportunity district, right? 27% of the state population is Black. That translates to roughly two of the state's seven congressional districts should afford Black voters the chance to elect candidates of choice. That's very similar to Louisiana. A third of the state's population is Black. They're also fighting for a second majority Black districts so that there would be two majority Black districts out of the six congressional districts. Most of Louisiana's Black communities are currently packed into one congressional district that stretches from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. It's a huge district. Mark, what is the legal fight like going on there? You know, there are days I ask myself what is going on in Louisiana. You know, Louisiana uh, followed the same path that, that Alabama did. Uh, it passed a map that denied black voters a second opportunity district in violation of the Voting Rights Act. It was sued, just like Alabama was. Uh, just like Alabama, it lost. <laughs> and just like Alabama, it appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And so- and I'll say in their arguments, Louisiana, when they thought Alabama was going to win, said, we are exactly like Alabama. Whatever you do for Alabama, you should do for us. Correct. So Al so Louisiana, as you say, sort of hitched its wagon in the U.S. Supreme Court to the arguments made by Alabama. Then when Alabama lost, now Louisiana is saying, we're nothing like Alabama. We're totally different than Alabama. Our case is very different than Alabama. And they are, you know, without boring people about all of the you know, this case, this this motion, and this court—they're basically following the same playbook. They are, they are delaying by by bringing additional appeals, by making additional process arguments, with a hope that they can stall out a fair map, a legal map in place uh, for for twenty twenty four. And I think it's always important that people keep one thing in mind. The black voters of Alabama voted in 2022 under illegal maps. Okay, that is a that is a tragedy for democracy. 
you know, people talk about the political impact this may have had in a very closely divided house. And for sure, there are partisan implications. But when we talk about Louisiana trying to stall out for 2024, that is not just a political argument. It is an argument that the state of Louisiana is making using state resources to try to deprive the civil rights and the voting rights of black citizens for another two years. So Louisiana is trying to delay. Do you think that they'll be successful or will there be a resolution in time for 2024? I hope there's a resolution in time for 2024. You know, I I was very, very confident that Alabama was not going to be able to delay, that Alabama was really just engaged in the the sort of final act of its of its theatrical performance of reenactment of George Wallace uh, from 60 years ago. Louisiana, I think, will also not be able to delay. I think we will have a fair map in time for 2024. There is still time, but they are aggressively pushing it in court, and it is not as far along as Alabama was. So I would say I'm 80-20 that there'll be a new map in, in, in place in Louisiana for 2024. So Louisiana and Alabama are both Section 2 cases. There's one more state involving Section 2 I want to highlight, which is Georgia. Voters there are also fighting for additional majority minority districts, but it's taken a bit of a different legal path than Alabama and Louisiana. Can you explain to us what's happening there? Yeah, what's interesting is that Georgia actually was following the exact same path. Um, So all three lawsuits, uh, my firm was involved in filing all three of them, and all three of them were filed roughly at the same time. Uh, Alabama, Louisiana, and Georgia. Um, Alabama, the Alabama ruling came out uh, that said that Alabama needed a second majority black district. This was in 2021 uh, or early 2022. Louisiana uh, followed in rapid succession. Uh, And Georgia was literally in the middle of the hearing that the judge was holding in which it was pretty clear the judge was going to say the same thing about Georgia when the U.S. Supreme Court weighed in in 2022 and said, wait a second, let's not move so fast in Alabama. Let's hear this case uh, at the U.S. Supreme Court and put in put a pause. So that's why there were illegal maps used in Alabama in 2022, because the Supreme Court stepped in. And that caused the trial judge in Georgia to say, well, if they're putting a pause in Alabama, we should put a pause in Georgia, uh, and uh, same thing happened in Louisiana. So now fast forward to 2023, and the Alabama case came out favorably. And so the judge there said, well, let's just hold a trial. Let's just hold the whole damn, you know, the whole darn thing. We'll get the whole thing over with. Uh, and so that trial was held, uh, and we expect a decision before Thanksgiving uh, in uh, in Georgia, all of the indications are, from my vantage point, that that Georgia will follow the same path as the trial courts did in Louisiana and Alabama. But in many respects, Georgia will have fewer options uh, available to it because this will have been after a full trial. So a lot of the procedural things that Louisiana is trying to do to slow things down has to do with the question of whether preliminary relief should be given um, uh but this will be a final decision on the merits. So I think that there will be a new map in place for 2024 in Georgia. And I'm actually more confident about that uh, than really any other state right now other than Alabama. But Paige, I can't let the moment of Georgia pass by without talking about some of the arguments we have seen from the elected officials in Georgia who sometimes masquerade as moderates. 
Mark, it is really interesting because while Georgia hasn't dragged its heels to slow down this litigation, they're making outrageous claims. They're claiming that the Voting Rights Act is unconstitutional. Yeah. Um, They are making the argument that, number one, Black Georgians don't even have the right to enforce the Voting Rights Act. And number two, that uh, if they do, uh, enforcement of it in this case may be uh, may be unconstitutional. And I think it's important for our listeners to always pay attention to not just which side of the argument people are on. I understand states are going to defend their laws, but how do they defend their laws? How do they defend or what are the arguments they make? You know, Louisiana uh, doesn't have to be dragging its heels the way it is. Alabama didn't have to, Alabama could have fought, could have uh, drawn a compliant map. And there is nothing that is compelling Brad Rassenberger and the other defendants in Georgia to make the ar- the extremist arguments they are making jeopardizing the, the continued vitality of the Voting Rights Act. Mike, you talk about how states are arguing against these maps, are trying to defend their maps, arguing against these laws. A question we've gotten is, do states even have to defend these maps or can they say, you know what, we messed up, we drew a bad map, you're right, there should be fairer districts. Do they have to have this long, drawn-out legal battle, or can they say, we did mess up, we made a mistake? Of course they can say that they messed up and made a mistake. I mean, that's what's so infuriating in this process is there are any number of ways that the state of Alabama or Louisiana or Georgia could comply with the Voting Rights Act. Any number of ways. Some, frankly, I would like less than others. But they'd be compliant with the Voting Rights Act, right? Compliance with the Voting Rights Act doesn't mean that 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 necessarily... You know, I get the map I want, or you get the map you want, or you know, uh, or any any one group is entirely happy. But there's a minimum. The Voting Rights Act puts in place a minimum requirement. It doesn't even require fair maps. It just requires legal maps. And there is nothing that prohibited Alabama or Louisiana or Georgia or Florida uh, under their state constitution from passing new legal maps. And it is a commentary on the sorry state of, uh, of the Republican-controlled legislatures that even when they control the legislature and could pass a fair map, they are a legal map, they don't do so. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, Paige. Democracy Docket has hit a major milestone. Our newsletter now has over 150,000 subscribers. It's really big news. And as a thank you to our listeners and subscribers, you can get 10% off orders of $25 or more on our merch shop all month long. Just use code THANKYOU10 at checkout. Okay. So I recommend the Democracy is on the Docket t-shirt. I've recommended it before. It is it is a must-have in every Democracy Defender's wardrobe. Like, if you don't have your Democracy Docket t-shirt, then frankly, what the hell are you doing out there when you're defending democracy? Like, how does anyone, how does anyone, how does anyone even know you are a defender of democracy? So that's like our go-to. But I got to tell you, there's a new sweatshirt, which is pretty, pretty great also. And so I hope people who, you know, in the colder weather now, they're like, I, not, not t-shirt time, buy that sweatshirt because it's a great sweatshirt as well. And of course, for Bodie's, sake. You know, Bodie just likes dog toys because he's a dog. Um, He's not just a dog, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, so for him, he likes the protecting democracy dog toy. Mark, I'm a big fan of the I Fight for Voting Rights mug. It's perfect for your pumpkin spice drinks all season long. 
And you can shop all of these items and more on the Democracy Docket store. Click the link in the description of this episode to go there and use code THANKYOU10 at checkout. Get the t-shirt. Mark, so we've covered Section 2 cases, but there's also a major 14th Amendment racial gerrymandering lawsuit out of South Carolina. The U.S. Supreme Court has heard oral argument over this congressional map. The South Carolina Conference of the NAACP and a voter filed a lawsuit alleging that the map is racially gerrymandered and harms Black voters. So what's happening here? So what's happening here is a major uh, voting rights case is in the U.S. Supreme Court. And, you know, Democracy Docket has done an amazing job covering this. You had a piece by the uh, head of the NAACP of South Carolina. You've covered this uh, extensively. But everyone needs to be paying attention to this case uh, because this is the big voting rights case of this term. So if last term you were interested in uh, the, the the case out of Alabama and the um, independent state legislature theory case, you should be paying attention to this case in South Carolina. At stake is whether the state of South Carolina violated the U.S. Constitution by moving tens of thousands of black voters out of Nancy Mace's district. Some of you will know Nancy Mace is a congresswoman from South Carolina who's recently been in the news because she was one of the eight Republicans who uh, who kicked Kevin McCarthy out of the speakership. So it gives you some sense of Nancy Mace's politics. But Nancy Mace's politics have gone further to the right, hence she's now one of the eight, because she originally was elected in a swing district. And when Republicans redistricted, in order to make her district much more MAGA Republican, they intentionally moved black voters out of her district. That violates um, the the U.S. Constitution, which prohibits that kind of blatant uh, racial sorting. Uh, A uh, three-judge panel uh, agreed that this violated uh, the Constitution because those 30,000 black residents were moved um, out of the district. Uh, And now the case uh, has been heard by the U.S. Supreme Court. So South Carolina was also ordered to draw a new map. They appealed to SCOTUS because of federal law. It was a direct appeal. SCOTUS had to hear the case. South Carolina has requested a decision by the U.S. Supreme Court by January 1st, 2024, in case they do need to redraw their map. That's a pretty quick turnaround for SCOTUS, though. It's October. They're asking for a decision by January. What do you think the prospects are for 2024? Yes, it is a commentary on the U.S. Supreme Court that hearing a case um, in early October and needing a decision by January is a quick turnaround. Uh, you know, they, they only hear 50 or 50 or 60 cases a year, <laughs> so, but, but you're right, it is a quick turnaround. And, and by the way, I want to give a, a small sliver of credit here to the state of South Carolina for identifying the timeline that they need for a decision. And the Supreme Court needs to meet that timeline. I have all the confidence in the world that the U.S. Supreme Court will meet that timeline. So I think we'll get a decision in December. I don't expect it before that. Uh, And it is a very, very important case uh, because, you know, when the Supreme Court gutted Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, it 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 took off the table a very important tool to protect minority voting rights. We have seen the power of Section 2 as a tool to protect minority voting rights. That's the tool in, that's been used in Alabama and Louisiana and Georgia. Uh, but, you know, 
prohibiting racial gerrymandering, as particularly in a world in which uh, the Supreme Court has said that states are free to partisan gerrymander. Um, it's bad enough that they can sort people based on their partisanship, but the idea that they can target 30,000 black voters merely because they are black and that black voters happen to vote Democratic is a whole other level, and we all need to be outraged by that and paying attention to it. So I want to thank Paige you and the Democracy Docket team for all of the coverage that you have there, and I look forward to continuing to read. Mark, a big part of the Supreme Court oral argument in this case was, was South Carolina partisan gerrymandering or were they racial gerrymandering? If you're interested in a recap of what happened in oral argument, we have an article up on our site now explaining exactly what happened, what the questions meant, what you need to know. But Mark, I also want to highlight something we discussed earlier. States can admit they're wrong. This lawsuit that the South Carolina NAACP brought was against the congressional map and the state house map. And South Carolina conceded that the state house map was unfair and they redrew it on their own will. Um, and they came to an agreement with the NAACP, but they're continuing the fight against the congressional map. Yeah. And, you know, again, we we have seen this over and over again. I don't know what role House lead, U.S. congressional House leadership has played. There were some reports, uh, pages, I recall, that uh, Kevin McCarthy put calls when he was speaker, put calls into the Alabama uh, legislature. Uh, I don't know that he did that in South Carolina or he, he didn't. Uh, but there's no there's no doubt that uh, you know Republicans are have very narrow control of the House. Uh, each of these illegal maps contributed to that very slim majority, and uh, Republicans are reticent to uh, to give up power. But again, there are any number of ways that South Carolina could have made that district safer for Nancy Mace without resorting to racial sorting. And the fact that they did uh, use racial sorting and, and as you say, refused to remedy it, right? Refused to be like, oh, we didn't understand or we got this wrong. Let's do it another way. Uh, the fact that they are standing by that leads you to believe that they think that there is political benefit in doing that. And that is very troubling for the future. The last state I want to talk about today is Florida. It's interesting. It's a large state. They have a fair amount of congressional seats, but there's also two different lawsuits challenging the congressional map in the state. One is in state court. One is in federal court. They both revolve around Congressional District 5 in the northern part of the state. What's so special about this district? So first, I want to um, congratulate the state of Florida because uh, Paige, who is from Texas, finally acknowledges another large state. So Florida is a large Texas still has them beat by miles. So just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, what's special about this district is that it is historically um, a district that uh, has elected um, African-American candidates of choice. Black voters have been able to um, uh, exercise political power. It is a district that used to be represented by uh, Congressman Al Lawson, uh, and it connects uh, his important and historic black communities in Tallahassee and Jacksonville. Um, there's probably no better example of the abuse of political power to disadvantage black voters than in Florida, because the people of Florida passed a, an amendment to their state constitution called the Fair District Amendment, which prohibited uh, enacting new maps that diminish 
the voting strength of minority voters. And the Republican legislature in Florida is dominated by Republicans, um, as both houses are Republican, the governor's obviously Republican. And the Republican legislature looked at the data and said, you know what, we can't, uh, uh, we can't lawfully, we can't without violating our state constitution, enact a map that takes away the ability of black voters to elect their candidate of choice in this, uh, in this, uh, uh, congressional, this fifth congressional district. And uh, DeSantis vetoed their map, told them, no, you have to pass a map that breaks up this community. And he was running for president. And so, you know, I know this is a podcast mostly about um, law, but think about why that was so important to DeSantis. Like, why did he think that was good politics? You know, I can't think of another instance in, in our lifetime where a governor of a political party, where the legislature is of the same party, vetoes the map that that party's legislature puts forward. And the only explanation is that he thinks that it benefits him in a Republican party to be seen as violating the voting rights of black voters, very similar to the situation that we've seen in these other states. Now, the good news here is that the state trial court has ruled that these maps are in violations of the state constitution, because they are. Uh, but that case, you know, is, uh, is also continues to be ongoing. So what's the prospect for 2024? You have a federal lawsuit, you have a state level lawsuit. The state court has already said this violates the state constitution. Where do we go from here? So uh, the state case, the state uh, judge uh, said it violates state constitution. Remarkably, the one of the arguments that the state of Florida is making is that their own state constitution violates the federal constitution. Again, unprecedented. Usually states are incredibly jealous of their state laws and their state constitutions. After all, it is the job of a state to defend their laws and constitutions against arguments that they violate federal law, right? This is exactly what you were we were talking about, you know, well, why is Alabama not passing a new map? And the answer is, well, sometimes they defend their laws, right? They don't have to defend them the ways they did, but they, they don't. Here, the state of Florida is actually saying that their state constitution may violate the uh, federal law. So that is now going to go to the court of the intermediate court, the court of appeals, and ultimately to the, to the state Supreme Court. The federal case trial has wrapped up and we're awaiting a decision. The good news is that the, the time frame in Florida for a decision is a little bit longer than it is in some other states. So there is still plenty of time for these cases to get resolved and give black Floridians um, a fair map for the 2024 election. While we await for these decisions in Louisiana, Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida, be sure to follow and subscribe to Democracy Docket to get the latest updates in these cases. And Mark, before we go, I you alluded to this earlier, but I really just want to hammer this home. I think some people may say, okay, it's one district here, it's one district there. If I'm in New York, Oregon, California, why do I care if Alabama, Florida, Georgia, there's one or two unfair districts there? Why does that impact me? Yeah, so I think there's two answers to it. The first is that if you are a black voter in Selma, Alabama, or, or in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or in Atlanta, Georgia, or in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, it matters because the state has violated your rights. Like the state has said that your voting rights need to, need to take a backseat 
to the to the partisan interests of the legislature, and that is an affront to the the every notion of the U.S. Constitution and federal law. So that's one reason why everyone should care, because once you start sacrificing voting rights uh, to the Republican MAGA agenda, uh, then everyone's voting rights are at stake. And so the same impulse that leads you know, South Carolina to sort based on race in, in that state leads um, another state to pass a law targeting um, black voters for voter suppression or young voters for disenfranchisement. So that's one reason to care. The other is that the U.S. House of Representatives is very narrowly divided. I mean, as we record this episode, you know, the House is continuing to struggle uh, to have a speaker because uh, the the House is so closely divided and the Republican caucus is so crazy. Um, when Republicans took control in 2022, they did so by five seats. I think it's actually now narrower due to some vacancies, but, but let's just say it was five seats. Well, we just talked about five seats. I mean, literally, we just talked about the margin of the Republican House majority. And how different would this country be right now if there had been legal maps in all of those places? We might have a Speaker Jeffries rather than had a Speaker McCarthy. And how much better would the lives of everyday Americans be? How much better would our healthcare system be? Would our criminal justice system be? Would, would women's reproductive rights and immigration? How much better would our foreign policy be? How much better would the funding of our government be? And so all of those things were sacrificed to the Republicans' efforts to enact and defend illegal maps. Thanks for listening to Defending Democracy. You can find all of the cases and articles we mentioned today linked in the description of this episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review. To find out more and stay up to date on the latest voting rights and election news, visit democracydocket.com. And please subscribe to Democracy Docket, its weekly and daily newsletters. We'll see you next time. Today's episode was produced by Ali Rothenberg, Gabby Corporal, and Paige Moskowitz. It was edited by Paige Moskowitz. Defending Democracy is a production of Democracy Docket, LLC.